Welcome to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Sievercrop, and I am just like you. I'm busy with work, family, kids, church, and a million other responsibilities. And honestly, some days I miss my personal scripture study and prayers. And some days we as a family miss our scripture study and prayer. But I'm trying. So if you're not perfect in living the restored gospel of Jesus Christ, but you're trying, well, get along great, and this is the place for you. Five days a week, I'll share a brief episode, often based on the Come Follow Me curriculum for that week, that I'm using to have daily conversations with my kids, whether we're on our way to school or on our way home or if it's real quick before dinner. And you're welcome to use them to do the same with your family or your personal study. Just know that the views and opinions I share are mine alone and do not represent the official doctrine and viewpoint of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now let's jump right in with today's episode. Well, 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 welcome back to the Everyday Conversion Podcast. This is episode 55. You can get everything we talk about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M. 55. And it's been a few days since I've recorded a podcast episode. And honestly, I've kind of slacked on my personal study as well, which as I've said in the past is one of the reasons I do this podcast is to keep me accountable to doing my personal study. Now, my family and I have been reading and uh, so we've been reading and studying and discussing and and that's really, really good and, and important, but it's really been a change of, of schedule that has completely thrown me off. And the times that I typically study and read my and uh, record the podcast, I haven't been able to, and it's completely thrown me off. And I think that's important for us to realize is having a schedule, having a habit, having a typical thing that time that we study is really, really important. And it really helps. So, but with that, I'm back and there's some really good stuff uh, <laughs> because that's what I always say. Uh, but there is, there's some really good stuff in, in the episode or the chapters that I read. I read Mosiah 25 and 26 today. Um, and Mosiah 25 is good. And I didn't really note a lot from it, but 26, I really got into now 26 is where, uh, we start reading about those who were children when King Benjamin gave his, his address. And so we're not that far removed from that, that time of King Benjamin. And it says in verse three, now because of their unbelief, they could not understand the word of God and their hearts were hardened. So it's talking about those that did not believe the traditions of their fathers. They didn't believe what they'd been taught. They didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe that Christ was going to come. And because of their unbelief, they could not understand the words of God. And as I read that, I realized that unbelief is the opposite of faith. And if we don't have faith, it means we can't learn by the spirit. And if we can't learn by the spirit, it means that we can't understand. And so that's really what it's coming down to here is they had a lack of faith. And then in verse four, I thought it was interesting. It's talking about these people that refused to be baptized, refused to join the church. They were a separate people as to their faith, it says in verse four, and remained ever after. And then at the end, it says something interesting. I thought this was interesting. This is one of the characteristics that Mormon really calls out about these people who were... Um, who had hard hearts, who weren't joining the church, who refused to be baptized, all these things. And what he says is at the end of verse four, for they would not call upon the Lord, their God. And so one of the key things that 
Mormon hones in on is the fact that they wouldn't pray. They wouldn't reach out to their Father in Heaven. They wouldn't seek His counsel and His guidance. And that's really a key factor and an important factor in um, our relationship with God. And we learn that as we continue on through this chapter, um, the importance of, of heeding and following, uh, following the Lord. So now we get into is talking about what these people did that refused to join the church. And then we get into this interesting thing where King Mosiah and Alma kind of kind of go back and forth a little bit. It's kind of the same thing that happened with like Pilate and um, uh, was it Herod, where they sent Christ back and forth and, and neither of them really wanted anything to do with it. And it seems like that's kind of what King Mosiah and King or and Alma do here. It says in verse eight that King Mosiah had given Alma authority over the church. And it says that Alma didn't know what to do with these people. And it never happened before. And so he caused that they should be brought before the king. So he's like, well, I I don't know what to do. Let's, King Mosiah, you deal with it. And then they send the King Mosiah and King Mosiah says, I'm not going to judge him. I'm I'm giving him to you. You need to judge him. And as I've thought about this, you know, in in chapter 27, we learn that uh, some of the people numbered among the unbelievers were the sons of Mosiah and one of the sons of Alma. And so I've thought about this and I've wondered, could it be that the reason that they were passing these people back and forth and the responsibility for judging them back and forth partially be because their sons were part of it? And they didn't either A, didn't want to be seen as having, um, you know, giving special treatment to their sons. And so they were passing it on to, uh, you know, Alma was passing it to King Mosiah and King Mosiah was passing it to Alma. Or could it be that they didn't, like, that's a really tough thing, you know, to have to be the one to judge your own children. And, you know, you get to verse 13 after King Mosiah says, no, 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 I'm not judging them. I'm delivering them into your hands to be judged. It says, the spirit of Alma was again troubled. And he went and inquired of the Lord what he should do concerning this matter, for he feared that he should do wrong in the sight of God. And I can tell you, as I was reading this, this was a verse, this one and verse 14 are verses that I I don't want to say that nobody can understand, but I think those who have had the opportunity or the responsibility, maybe is a better word, to participate in disciplinary councils, maybe understand these verses a little differently than someone who hasn't. And as a bishop, I did. I I had to to go through a few different disciplinary councils. And I can tell you that it was terrifying. And I could say that my spirit was troubled, you know, going into a disciplinary council, knowing that in a very real sense, you hold the fate of this person in your hands, their spiritual fate, their, their standing in the church. And while it is their decisions that brought them to that point, there is still an awful responsibility, a huge responsibility that you feel sitting there convening that disciplinary council. And I, and that is what Alma's feeling at this point, realizing that he needs to make the right decision. He needs to have the Lord's guidance because he needs to make the right decision. He feared that he would do the wrong thing. He feared that he would make the wrong decision because one of the things that I realized when I was in those instances was really what it comes down to is how can I help this person to strengthen their faith, 
to go through the repentance process and come out the other side stronger and more committed to the gospel? And that is the question that always ended up in my mind as I went through these processes. But it's really hard and it's terrifying. And I think that's what you're reading from Alma. So Alma, regardless of who he's having to judge and go through these, essentially a disciplinary council with, it's a very, very difficult decision. It's a very difficult situation to be in. And it's very humbling as the the priesthood leader that's doing that. Now, consider that perhaps, and we don't know this for sure, but perhaps one of those people that Alma is to judge is his son. What if that was the case? How difficult would that be? Personally, one, because part of that process is going through and and going through the things that have been done. So you have to go through the things that they have done wrong. You have to review them and discuss them with them. You have to uh, determine their, their, their repentance, how they're feeling, their, where they're at in the repentance process, how they feel about what they did, their remorse, their sincerity, those types of things. You have to go through all that. So if Alma, the younger, was one of those people, he has to do that with his son. As well as if the sons of Mosiah were one, some of those people, as well as some of Alma's good friends, probably people that he's he's grown they've grown up knowing Alma, and then you add on top of that the stress and the strain that that must have caused in Alma's family, because that's a difficult position to be in when your son is possibly one of those. If your son, if his son was one of those. Imagine the conversations with his wife. He certainly can't, I mean, you can't discuss the the specifics, but no doubt Alma and his wife were not ignorant of what their son had done and the way he was acting, the things that he was doing. And no doubt Alma's wife was aware of what his responsibility would be as the high priest and making this judgment. So it's a very interesting dynamic, and I wonder if that came into play, if that was part of Alma being troubled, if with his spirit being troubled. But I can tell you, even if it wasn't, his spirit still would be troubled. And it's a very, very difficult thing. And then I love in verse 14, it says, It came to pass after he had poured out his whole soul unto God, whole soul to God, the voice of the Lord came to him. And... I have told other people this, but the disciplinary councils that I was a part of, it's a very weird and interesting dynamic because it really is this idea of your spirit is troubled. You know, you're having to deal with some really, really, a lot of times uh, horrible decisions that people have made and and talking through those and and asking questions about them and getting in the details that you just really don't want to get into. And you're afraid that you're going to make the wrong decision. You know, what's the right decision? How, what, what am I supposed to do? You know, where, where is the line between mercy and justice? You know, there are consequences. And, and certainly in disciplinary councils, a lot of times you, you have to extend those consequences and apply those consequences to the actions that have been taken, you know, the things that people have done. But also, like I said, it's that question of, what is going to help this person the most? And I, before I served as a bishop, I had always viewed disciplinary councils as a justice thing, as a way to apply justice when someone had broken the commandments. 
And that certainly is a part of it. But I can tell you, I had one experience, my counselors and I, uh, where we were we were doing a disciplinary council and the person came in and, and we talked with them and we asked questions and we got very, very detailed um, again in things that you don't really want to deal with. You don't want to hear, you don't want to discuss, you don't want to have these conversations, but you have to. And it was a very heavy feeling. It was a very, I would say, somber feeling. And then after we'd asked all of our questions, we we then excused them and they left the room and, and we were then to discuss what we felt was the correct decision, what we should do, how we should apply um, you know, the principles and the, the guidelines the church has given for church discipline. And I can tell you that immediately we had a prayer and immediately the entire spirit of that room changed. And all three of us, well, four, because our, our clerk was there taking notes, all of us felt it. And it was this un it was like it was like a line was drawn and immediately the, the discussion changed from what had happened and what had been done to what can we do to help this individual to draw nearer to the Savior. And it was amazing. It was very, very clear how quickly that changed and the, the feelings that we had and the discussion that we had afterwards because of that change. And it was one of the most spiritual experiences I have ever had in my life. And it was one of the most loving and caring and most powerful experience, times that I had experienced the atonement in my life and had felt the impact of the atonement and had seen the way the atonement works. It was one of the most unbelievable experiences I've ever had. And, and it's one I'll never forget. And now as I look at church discipline and I look at disciplinary councils, I see them as unbelievably loving. And the feeling of love and the love that Heavenly Father has for those people and the love that Heavenly Father and Christ have for the challenges and the struggles that they're facing is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I will never again view those the same way. And as I read verses 13 and 14, I felt what Alma has, was feeling because I've been in that situation. And it is unbelievable. And I have such a strong testimony, a strong witness of the fact that church discipline and repentance and um, being called to repentance is a at its core an act of love an act of love from our father in heaven you know i have this conversation with my kids all the time they say that i'm mean because i ask them to do things or i correct them or i i um you know you know discipline them and the conversation i always have with them is no it's because i love you that i'm disciplining you it's because i love you that i'm not allowing you to do this or that I'm asking you to stop doing whatever it is that you're doing. And that's a very hard thing for us to feel and to understand, but I've seen how that's the case, and that's the way it is with the gospel. That's what it is with the gospel. It's it's really, it's all loving, and it's all Heavenly Father loving us and reaching out to us. And like we felt, my counselors and I, like we felt, Father in Heaven and Christ are similarly saying, what is it that I need to do? What is it that we need to do to help this person to draw nearer to us? And sometimes that's removing membership for the church. 
Sometimes it's, it's formal discipline. Sometimes it's informal discipline. And those experiences, and the same goes with, with even just repentance that doesn't rise to the level of church discipline. You know, when a bishop is, is dealing with somebody repenting and they invite them to do certain things or invite them to not do certain things. Those things are all done in the spirit of how can I help this person draw near to, to the Savior? And I think it's important that we realize that and when we think about that, it changes the way that we view repentance. And it changes the way that we view when we're called to repentance by either our bishops or our stake presidents or the prophet or the spirit is understanding that it's all based out of, out of love. It's all centered on love. So this was really powerful because of this. And so then the voice of the Lord comes to Alma and he's basically told that he's blessed. The Lord basically indicates that he appreciates everything that he has done and the man that he has become, which is interesting because if you if you remember, if you go back um, in verse or chapter, where was it? Chapter 23, I think, or 24, I think it's 23 here. When it talks about, when Alma talks about, or it talks about what Alma had to do, Yeah, in uh, 23, verse 10, where it says, um, you know, Alma's talking about the trials of King Noah and his priests. And it says um, in verse 9 and 10, he says, I myself was caught in a snare and did many things which were abominable in the sight of the Lord, which caused me sore repentance. Nevertheless, after much tribulation, the Lord did hear my cries and did answer my prayers and has made me an instrument in his hands. And so now you have Alma, who's the Lord speaking to him, basically saying, hey, you're doing okay. Like I, everything you've done is, is unbelievable and it's great and you're blessed because of it. And so he's told all these things and he's basically told he's going to have eternal life, which is awesome. Uh, in verse 20 of chapter 26, it says, um, thou shalt, uh, thou shalt have eternal life, which is unbelievable. And then he goes into giving you some guidance on how to deal with these people who aren't doing the things that they're supposed to, giving them guidance on church discipline. And there's a lot in there from verses um, 22 to the end. But the one that really stuck out to me was in verse 28. It says, Therefore I say unto you that he that will not hear my voice, the same shall ye not receive into my church. For him I will not receive at the last day. And I realized that the, the, the pivotal point that the Lord's giving him to discern and determine what happens with someone who is facing church discipline is whether or not they will hear his voice. You know, this is, this is something that, um, this is something that is, is really important. And this is something that president Nelson has um, indicated is, is really important is hearing the voice of the Lord. And this is the key thing. It's the thing that really, really it boils down to when somebody is asking, um, is, is dealing with church discipline. And so I asked myself, what does it mean to hear the voice of the Lord? Uh, and I think most importantly, it's humility. It's being humble. It's, it's, uh, being willing to submit to the things that, that you're asked to submit to. Um, in verse 29, it says that they confess their sins, um, and they repent in sincerity. So they repent sincerely. And I think one of the key ones that goes along with humility is that they heed uh, the counsel of the Lord and of uh, his servants, of the people that, that are called to um, serve in those positions. 
And that really is what it comes down to is those things when dealing with church discipline. And so Alma is given basically this outline of here's what you need to do. And there's a couple interesting things. I think humility is the most important thing, but there's one that I've heard and I've seen happen. And I think we have to be careful here because it says that they confess their sins before thee and me and repent in sincerity of heart. And I've heard people say at times, well, so-and-so only confessed because they got caught. And I've seen that happen with different church discipline things. And as I'm reading this, I don't see anything about whether they come of their own, uh, their own volition, or they are quote-unquote caught and then they repent. It just says that they confess their sins and they repent in sincerity. So it's, are you sincere in your repentance? Are you sincerely sorry? Are you really wanting to change? And are you hearing the voice of the Lord? Are you being humble? Humility is such a massive part of this, such a massive part. It's, it, it's the most important thing is that humility, because if we're hum- humble, if we're willing to submit to all things that the Lord seeth fit to inflict upon us, then we can do everything. Then we can be taught. Then we can be guided. Then we can be helped. And that's really what the Lord's saying is, if they're humble, then they can stay in the church because I can help them. They're willing to be taught. But if they're not willing to be taught, if they're being hard-hearted, if they're being prideful, if they're not willing to submit to the things that they're asked to do, then there's not much I can do with them. And I think that's the, the key and the most important part. And for all of us, that is a good lesson, regardless of, you know, hopefully, you know, you never have to deal with church discipline, uh, you know, either side of it, really. Uh, but certainly as is, is being the one that's being disciplined. Um, you know, certainly nobody plans for that. Nobody wants to have that happen. But even if we don't, in our day-to-day lives, as we repent, as we strive to be better, it's that humility that's important. It's being willing to listen to the Lord. It's being willing to heed the counsel of Him and His leaders and His His servants that He has called. And if we'll do that, then we'll be okay. If we're willing to do that in the small things, then we won't have to get to church discipline. It's, it's the inability or the unwillingness to um, hear the word of the Lord and heed it that gets us to that point. If we'll just heed the word of the Lord, everything else takes care of itself. We'll be taught. We'll be guided, especially those of us who are members of the church that have been given the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the, that's the job of the Holy Ghost is to warn us and guide us. And if we will heed that voice, which is the voice of the Lord, then we don't get to the major things. And so there's so much good stuff in Mosiah 26. I was telling a friend of mine this morning, I wish I had paid more attention to it when I was a bishop. I wish I had read it more clearly and deeply and dug into it more because it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference for, for church discipline and dealing with that, for dealing with helping people through the repentance process, but really in all aspects of our lives. So you can get the links to everything we talked about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash B-O-M 55. And we'll see you in the next episode. Hopefully it's soon. Oh, and I almost forgot. I was interviewed on last week's episode of the of, of my friend Aaron Featherstone's podcast, Come Follow Me, a podcast. And I was interviewed on, let me see if I can pull this up here so I can tell you what, what episode it was. It was, where's it going? It was the episode released on May 11th of 2020, and it's called We Have Entered Into a Covenant with Him 
May 11 through 17. So I was interviewed, uh, and Aaron asked me about my conversion. So if you've ever wanted to hear my conversion story, um, I share it there. I share a lot of aspects of it. Um, certainly not everything. There's parts that I left out, and there's parts that I jumped to. But if you want to listen to that, um, I would I would strongly encourage you to do so because it's a really good episode. And more than that, Aaron's podcast is unbelievable. It's amazing. I, you know, some of the things that she has some of the best stories I've ever seen or ever heard. Um, and she ties them into the gospel in an amazing way. So if you have not listened to the, yeah, that yet, go listen to it. I'll put a link um, to uh, both the episode in, in iTunes and then also to her Instagram page. Um, and you can get the link to go to her podcast there as well. Uh, but if you just look up uh, or if you just go look up um, the podcast, Come Follow Me, a podcast. Um, and it's by Aaron Robinson Featherstone. Uh, you can find it there as well. And like I said, it's the episode that was released on May 11th. We have entered into a covenant with him. So you get the links to that and everything else that we talked about today at everydayconversion.com forward slash BOM55. And we'll see you hopefully very soon in the next episode. All right, that's it for today. Now I know, I know you want to hang out with me longer, but we both have a ton of things to do today, including living the gospel and trying to be like Jesus. Cue primary children singing. I'm trying to be like Jesus. But hey, if you want to get the links to everything we talked about today, you can find it on the episodes page of everydayconversion.com. You can also do cool stuff like subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast listening platform, sign up for email notifications of new episodes, and connect with us on social media there. It's kind of like a virtual church library without the militant librarians or a piece of paper to sign out your three tiny pieces of chalk for your lesson. Also, just remember, I do my best to make sure my opinions are in line with official church doctrine, but they are just that. They're my opinions. For official doctrine and viewpoints, I recommend you go to churchofjesuschrist.org or comeuntochrist.org.